0: Ty's got good hair
4: Chuck good morning man 16 days out
0: yeah hard to
4: believe good morning guys It's going 16 days away it's going by quick well Chuck I know you've shared your thoughts already on Alex Collins on the Give Me the Hugs Chuck podcast and I was listening to you on halftime on Tuesday but you hadn't gotten a chance to, to do it here just your thoughts when you heard the news this week well
0: it was just you know shocking um and you know we've talked about death a lot it seems like over the past several several weeks and several months and I think you know for a lot of Razorback fans part of the sentiment was gosh I can't believe this has happened again um I do know that was part of it but you know he was just a terrific young man and I think that as was the case with you know we talked most recently about Charles Ballantyne and Mallett was this way and you know Bryson Manor and you know, Chris Smith. Um, unfortunately, the list is getting a little bit longer, but um, all of them were so good with our fans, and I always felt like Alex needed our fans as much as our fans needed him. I mean, we need our Razorback heroes, at least some of them, um, you know, to enjoy them as much as um, they enjoy those players, and I think Alex did, and You know, so many times when I would see him out and we'd have events and he would be there and he'd interact with the fans and such. And, you know, hey, they needed their Razorback hero to put their arm around them and smile and um, have a good moment. But I always thought he needed it too. I mean, I always thought he really did. And sometimes kids come through here and I don't know that people fully understand how much they need us as much as we need them. And I always thought Alex was one of those kids, but he, um, he enjoyed his time here very much. Um, I don't think there was an insincere bone in his body, and um, can't say that about everybody.
4: I thought one of the things you nailed was how when people called, texted, and spoke of Alex Collins, there wasn't almost any that spoke to what he did on the field yeah fourth and 25 was mentioned here and there but it was the the interaction aspect that like you said with charles and 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 ryan and some of the other people unfortunately lost the last uh, last couple months that that's where people really honed in on when they heard about his demise yeah i I think that was
0: and is interesting um that Most of the things that people have said about Alex Collins did not involve football. And yet, what he accomplished on the football field is almost unparalleled in terms of production and numbers and all the things that he did while he was a Razorback. Um, You know, when we talk about Darren McFadden, for example, now obviously Darren's still with us, but when we talk about McFadden, we talk about the football. Um, with Alex, the things people have talked about, myself included, um, have not really involved what happened on the football field. It was the type of person that he was, uh, the interactions that he had with people, the lives he affected. Um, that's what people talk about. That's what they've talked about all week. And so I think that's really a testament to what kind of guy he was, that we don't even have to get to his football superlatives. Um... Before we start talking about what a wonderful person he was, isn't that a lesson to all of us? Well, I mean, great, in, in, you know, in to the big yes, yeah, not to get too philosophical
3: and off, you know, you know, too serious. But I mean, that really, at the end of the day, they don't talk about how much money someone had or how many yards uh, they had or average yards a carry. Or you know, in the end, you know, you're pretty well summed up by what what your family and your friends thought of you. Well, he was thought very highly of. that's yeah. for sure.
4: Yep. Yeah, no question about that. So again. the three
3: of us better better pick it up, boys. We better <laughs> clean it up. is what, what we're saying here. That's uh, so.
4: that's probably a, a good way to approach it this morning. If you got some again thoughts on Alex, you're welcome to jump in here on the McClarty Daniel Hotline eight seven seven three seven seven six nine six three. Jr. has some thoughts on football this morning. He's in Shady Grove. Jr., welcome in.
5: Hey, how you guys doing this morning? Jr., what's happening? Hey, just enjoying this nice, cool morning what for man, nice. next week. Nice. Yeah. The main thing I want to talk about with football this morning is uh, I, I want to see that this team has got mentally tougher than they were last year. Um, the A&M game, you know, when we fumbled the ball, they ran it back to touchdown just like the air went out of our sails. Uh, the Liberty game, I know, I know KJ was hurt, but, I mean – this team has got to develop some mental toughness to get through these games because it's going to be a grind and I, I want to see I want to see the offense not try to run the clock out the thing about this you train all year long to get better at your position it's the other jobs uh, other teams job to stop you one of your own offense and I'm not talking about running up 70 80 points but if you're out there and you're calling a play to score, then that needs to happen regardless of who you're playing. So, um, I hope hope that we develop that attitude of, you know, it's their job to stop us instead of going out there and, you know, being up to three touchdowns and just trying to run the clock off. Those kids need to get some experience because you don't know who's going to get hurt. You don't know who's going to be down. Uh, so, that's just kind of where I'm at with, with I w- what I would like to see.
0: You know, Jr. one thing that I will say there. I mean, first off, it would be nice to be up two or three touchdowns every every game. Um, You know, the toughness aspect was, you know, that's what they felt like they – or one of the things that they felt like they needed to address. Um, Now, that's important, and it is important. But it's also important to have a lot more good players. And I think when the season ended last year, they had two priorities – Number one, we do have to change some things in terms of our overall toughness, if you want to use that big term as a football team. And that encompasses mental, physical, the whole deal. I think they felt like they needed to make some improvements there. But they also needed to go out and get good players. Um, And they went out and they did that, and they addressed that in the portal. And we're talking about, we spent some time this week talking about the defense, for example. One of the reasons we feel better about it in part is because there's just a lot more players there. There's just a lot more players, and a lot of them are pretty good. So your numbers have increased. Um, but I get you on the toughness part. I'm not quite so sure I, I fully understand on the offense part, but I get you on that. And they feel like they've done that, and clearly we'll find out.
4: Yeah, Pittman was speaking to again, getting back to the tougher 2021 team. He said that several times. You know, JR, I hope they're up and trying to run out the clock at the end of games because, again, they'd be winning at that point. I know you want to win, and there's different ways to go about it. Some people get mad at Eric Musselman for trying to execute in the final five seconds of a shot clock, but it's worked over the years. And Guys, then,
0: we were 6-6 um, six and six last year. Let's not talk about yeah. running out the clock with a big leap oh, 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 We weren't exactly, you know, that wasn't our territory every game last year.
4: Here's the other thing I'll say. Tommy, you and I spoke to this, this earlier this week the opportunity to maybe be up in some lesser game some non-conference you didn't you didn't really have a non-conference schedule last year you had a slightly less conference schedule with the teams you had to play and the coaches you had to match up against so getting Jacoby Criswell in there for some opportunities not when KJ gets hurt if he gets hurt I'm talking about him just playing no pressure situations being a allowing him to get into some sort of rhythm if something bad was to happen to KJ this year
3: well you hope you that opportunity and you think the first two weeks potentially provide that but I think it's it's more about Arkansas executing and doing the things that they should be good at you're an SEC program act like it and I think they got to get some of that swagger back and hopefully that first two weeks um, you are able to go out and just do your thing and that should lead to a to a sizable victory if you are what you hope to be at some point this year. So, yeah, I hear you. I mean, it would be great to see Criswell play because they they have that
4: opportunity or that option. And you mentioned, Chuck, getting better players. They got five defensive backs out of the transfer portal and five more out of high school. A couple of those guys were starters, too. It's not like they picked them off the bench. And even Jaheem Singletary, who didn't start at Georgia, he's a five-star kid coming out of high school. So you're not getting bums and just trying to replace what was a really bad passing defense last year, you actually got some dudes like you're talking about.
0: Well, you hope so. I mean, they come with the full resume, and now you've got to go out there and do it. But getting better players, getting more players, that was a big part of it. You know, we talked about this at the end of last season, about how there's going to be a major roster turnover. There's going to be a major roster turnover to the tune of maybe 35, 40 guys. And, uh, you know, that's what was called for last year? I don't know if that number will be called for at the end of this year. Maybe, because a lot of these guys are going to have to be replaced because they're not going to be here very long. Um, so, you know, you're just going to continue to have that. But, yeah, they've, they've gone out and gotten good players. Hey, let me say one thing, too, about this playing Criswell and doing all these things, playing these backups and these first few ball games. Let's not act like, you know, a month into – preseason practice that you're clicking at all cylinders with your starters i want the starters clicking on all cylinders um now it doesn't mean that you don't get these guys some time when you can i hope they can but what i really want is in those first two or three ball games for arkansas starters to get clicking because those are the guys that are going to have to win in baton rouge if you've got to go to your backup quarterback in baton rouge odds are you're not going to win so, yeah, those things are important, and I hear you, but it's more important to have the guys who are going to be playing in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, running on all their cylinders when they get there, and so I'm not going to shake my head or shed a tear if they keep those guys in there more snaps, and maybe some people think they should, but now the point about playing players and getting in game experience it's a valid point it's a fine line you've got to have some balance there but i don't think i don't think for example if you're up 35 to nothing in the third quarter against western carolina i don't think you pull kj just to pull kj not if you've not accomplished everything you want to do yet offensively Um, I realize there are people, there are those who will disagree with me on that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be their strategy. But my point is, is I want to see the frontline guys um, because they're the ones you're going to battle with during that four-week stretch.
4: Yeah, I think what what people are leading in, because I don't think there's anything wrong that you just said there. But I think what they're hoping is that the guys click quickly, which isn't necessarily a fair expectation to have <laughs> well, we all hope in week that. two. Well, I mean, but yeah, that's,
3: that's just an, but the, that, un- the unspoken assumption. That yeah.
4: leads to second, second, and third guys getting on the field well, quicker. Sure. If that's what qu- you
3: always hope. Yeah, I mean, you you mean, hear, mean we're I mean, not going to be up
4: ninety to nothing. I, mean,
1: I
0: just assumed hope that, that was the case. You yeah. hope that every time you play a directional school, you'd love to be in that situation, and maybe they will be. I don't know, but 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 my point is, is let's we have not even played a game yet. Let's not try uh, let's not spend our time trying oh. to figure out a way to get the backups in there. Um let's get the guys we're going to battle with ready to go. Yeah, cause I you mean know. I am expecting KJ to lead the band in the second half. I mean is that not the is that not the deal Chuck? So, so you know you just um hey we're we're um you know I, I don't I don't I don't think this is I don't think running out the clock and all this stuff's the overriding issue here. No. Uh, We got to you know
3: you're you're right. We get ahead of ourselves on these conversations, and we make the assumption because we're SEC, we're Arkansas, we're this, we're that. Western Carolina should be. Ninety to nothing at halftime, and, well, it, it, and, and, it, look, and a lot of your issues are yourself. Can you execute the play that's called against air? That's not just a, a given in
0: week one. I mean, we all know what should happen, yeah. But um, you know, again, and and even if the score is lopsided, whatever the score is at the end of the ball game, um, you know, you're still gearing up for the meat of your schedule. And hey, if you've got a chance to play backups that game, great. But you know, let's make sure the the other guys are doing everything you want them to do. The idea that against anybody, you're going to come out on opening Saturday and play such a perfect ball game that by the third quarter you're emptying the benches, um, I don't know that that's going to happen.
4: I want to go back to a text that Scott sent us on the McLeod Daniel hotline. Tommy and I were talking a little bit earlier about maybe being a little more vanilla on defense early and. He kinda of pushes back on that. He said he didn't want them to be vanilla. He doesn't want them to get to the BYU game or LSU game and try something that they haven't initially done in the Western Carolina and Kent State game and not be ready for that. So what when you when you're a coach, when you're Travis Williams, you're Dan Enos and you don't want to reveal too much only early for a opponent that is gonna be much more difficult when you walk into Baton Rouge, how do you balance the I can't showcase everything too early to I, I have to have play some of this stuff because I can't just throw it out there in the game if these guys that can have never executed it during the course of an actual college football game rather than just practice. That's, a, I think, a battle both those guys have to, to work through these next few weeks.
0: Oh, I think it's a myth, you know, that you hold back a bunch of stuff. I, don't, I, I, I think you do what you do. Whether you're playing Western Carolina, you know, whatever your situation is, you do what you do. Uh, I don't think you change your philosophy. Um, here, here's the deal. When you play LSU, when you play those other schools, more is going to be required defensively. More is going to be required. You're going to have to play better. And they're probably going to have enough good players and enough good coaches to, you know, they're going to make adjustments during the game and all sorts of things are going to happen. But, um, no, I think you do what you do. Well, I, I, I just, I just, I just don't see any. You know, I, I don't, I don't see any other way around it. You want to be at a point where you have those
3: options, and I just don't know that Arkansas is at that point yet. You'd like to, ha- you know, you'd like to be what Alabama or Georgia is, where you could make those decisions and probably your plans would would fold unfold the way you want. But you went six and six last year. You've not had a very good decade. You got a lot of growing to do to get there.
4: Guys, I saw the news that Houston Nutt is stepping down with CBS Sports. He cited, after 11 years, I've decided to say goodbye to my CBS Sports team and be more of a grandpa. He called Apparently his grandpa's name is Pappy. He's really appreciated over the years working with this talented team. He's just cherished his time with CBS Sports. So he's been there since 2012. It's been a while. I have really enjoyed him. At halftime segments, but guys, it looks like he's hanging up the headset for now to spend more time with family. Well, they've had a shuffle.
0: You know, all the networks have had shuffles, and they always announce their new teams as we get to uh, to this stage of August. And um, I knew when I saw the the lineup, I didn't see his name, so I wasn't exactly sure what the what the story was there. You know, these uh, these guys that that do this kind of work. Um, you know, the reason they live in places like Dallas and Atlanta and places like that is because they can get a direct flight to New York. But you're still, you know, you're leaving on Thursday, and you're getting home on Sunday. And that's how it works. These people that, you know, the guys that work in the studio for the SEC Network, if you watch other networks, all this stuff on college football, its a, you fly in Thursday, you fly home Sunday. And for them, there aren't any open weeks. So, you know, you, you, you do it constantly. And, I mean, it's, it's a grind. It's a great job, but I, I, I know it's a grind. And so I'm not sure what the circumstances are here. I have no idea. But, um, you know, good for him. He had an 11-year run, and most people don't get, the, you know, don't get a run like that. Yeah, and I'm sure when he signed up he thought he'd be back
3: into coaching long you know this would be a year or two uh, this would be a placeholder and it just didn't work out for him and uh, most people don't get to hang around in a network job because someone newer and younger <laughs> and sometimes better looking comes along and takes your job from you it just it's the revolving door of media and uh, to, to hang with with a place like CBS for 11 years is um, is a win uh, you also got to think about the transition moving forward for CBS that's a wave from the SEC. Houston nuts obviously directly tied to the SEC, so it's probably, you know, good timing for from that standpoint that uh, as they move to a kind of their focus to a different conference moving forward.
4: Uh, I always thought he was better than New Heisel. He's on their B team. I thought he should have been on their, their A team. I like New Heisel. I you? like New Heisel, yeah. He's
0: yeah, yeah. I think New good. He's
4: better on his he's, he's 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 good on the radio too. He's I was gonna say he's better on the radio in my opinion with him and, and Childers than the the studio setup. I feel like some guys are better on radio than television. To me, he's better on radio. But uh, you did get to see Nut from time to time in the in the A slot, and I I really enjoyed him. But again, he's uh again becoming more of a grandpa and spending more time with the kiddos this fall. So he just uh, he announced that yesterday. I saw.
0: He well, I think also be- too. You 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 get to a point in life where you make a pragmatic decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm getting paid good money. Yeah, it's a great job. But I got money. You know, I'm set. I don't need to do it anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not making a mortgage payment based on this. And at 65, it's, you know, um, if you've got plenty of money at 65 and you want to hang it up, man, more power to you. I wish I was right there with you someday.
4: He's going to be on halftime Tuesday with Phil and Matt. I don't know if he's ever been on halftime with Matt Jones yet, so I'm excited because yeah, be those conversations yeah. will be uh entertaining there's no question about it. Houston's mean,
0: going into the Arkansas I think he's going into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Honor this year and Felix Jones is going in as well
4: it'll be fun that's in they that's the Chuck I think that's right the Friday night before the Kent State game I think that's correct I think yeah so that's something I know Razorback Foundation members get a pass for it so that'll yeah. be something cool to to see before the first Fayetteville game during the summer months, I know many of you are active, going to the lake, going to the beach, and if you want to live a healthier lifestyle and look better on these occasions, then I've got just the meal kit for you. It's Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and you can get 50% off your order right now using the code HTL 50. Just go to factormeals.com slash HTL 50 and get 50% off. You're going to save trips to the grocery store. Your meals are going to be ready in about two minutes. They're fresh, never frozen. Plus they have over 34 weekly restaurant options like bruschetta shrimp risotto and grilled steak house filet mignon. They have keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie options. Don't forget about breakfast and start your day right with Factor. Take 50% off right now. Factormeals.com slash HTL50. That's factormeals.com slash HTL50 and get 50% off.
1: Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877-377-6963 mcclarty daniel a vehicle for every lifestyle when you're looking for a new car you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust you've probably heard that McCarty daniel means making deals but what i'm inspired by the most is that mcclarty daniel means making a difference in our community when you buy a vehicle with McCarty daniel you reinvest right here in the community in our schools in our little leagues in our food banks and our people so you're not just making a purchase you're making a difference too Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas.
4: For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit.
1: Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: Tom, welcome in to the program. Uh, Traylon Burksing will start there. What are your thoughts on when you initially saw the news of him going down yesterday in the Titans camp?
6: Well, whenever you see a guy reacting like that, you're, you're concerned because it could be any manner of things. And, um, I mean, we weren't there when Pooh Paul did whatever he did to his knee, but I bet there's, you know, g- great moments of concern when that happened uh, on that day of practice. Uh, but they say, you know, it's an it's a MCL slight deal and he'll be back soon, and gotta hope so because they really need Pooh Paul. But, yeah, <laughs> I just want Traylon Burks, to have a good, healthy season and like really establish himself in, in, among the top-tier receivers in the league, and hopefully he can be back by you know, the opener or, or soon thereafter.
4: Do you have any thoughts on that Missouri NIL change? We were discussing in, in our Morning Rush Daily question. Have you gotten a chance to kind of look over that and see the, the differences between, say, here and Missouri and other states that Arkansas competes against?
6: No, you know what? I saw that it was in, enacted and you know, Dave Matter really does a good job covering Missouri stuff and um I just saw that they had posted that it's, they signed this new deal into law and I I really have not dove into what the particulars of that are.
3: Tom, rare chance to talk to Dan Enos Uh, as camp's underway he's going to be with the media later today after practice Uh, what are some of the questions you've got for uh, for Coach Enos as he'll talk about his quarterbacks and his offense in general
6: always good to talk to Dan Enos it means that uh, we've gone cycled through basically the position groups and now I think we also get KJ again today, probably be his third time in camp so that's good that he gets out in front of us a lot um, yeah, what's what's going on with the offense? Are you done with the install? You know, they're supposed to be a relatively done with putting in what they're going to run, um, and you know, what about the timing? Because we saw a day a couple of a days ago when fastball starts where the defense was just all over them. They had a better day yesterday, but you know, competing against um, this defensive front, what do you see out of that group too? Who's, who's rising up the receiver? Um, What about the offensive tackles? There's a lot of questions for for Dan Enos for sure.
3: Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Saturday will need the the next big scrimmage. Uh, when you, when you think about what unfolds Saturday, how how far will that go in your mind and when we get that initial depth chart and the game notes for uh, for game 1, how big is Saturday in formulating kind of the final plans uh, for the 2s and the 3s and I don't know how many cases the 1s will uh, are still up in the air but but even some starting starting spots.
6: Exactly. And, and you know, not so much for what I think about it, but what, where are the coaches with this, you know? And I really think that um, I'm not sure if Devin Manuel will be back, but um, if he misses this scrimmage, then, you know, Andrew Chamley certainly would have gotten a lot of reps with the ones. And, you know, on the spur of the moment, Sam Pittman said he thought Chamley played pretty well in last week's scrimmage. So what does that mean? Does that mean because of all that pressure that, K.J. and the other quarterbacks were under. Does that mean the tight weren't, ends weren't holding up their side of the deal on blocking? Uh, was it the other side of the ball? Because, you know, apparently Kudas had a pretty good day as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of um, determinations that will be made from this scrimmage. I, I hope that guys like Rocket Sanders and, you know, you can name a handful of others, uh, don't get a whole ton of action, guys that you don't want to lose. If, if uh, Chris Paul is ready to play by Saturday, you know, do you, do you hold him out anyway and not risk any further deal with that knee? So um, it's, it's going to be a big one. I, you know, depth in the, in the secondary is really, I think, still up for grabs. The cornerback situation, making, that, making sure they're okay with Singletary being up with the ones with Dwight McLaughlin. And, you know, Jalen Lewis has played really well this week. Talked to Marcus Woodson about that yesterday in the nickel slash hog position. And so with Snatch Johnson and Jalen Lewis, do you have a, a good one 2 there that you can depend on? So, um, O line, I think probably I would say O line and what the tackles do in this one would be m- one of my biggest primary areas. You know, I'd, I'd want to see ironed out.
4: You mentioned the secondary. As we're talking with Tom Murphy on the McCarty-Daniel Hotline, what have you thought about the impact Woodson has made to this point? Or are you just waiting to hold statements until we actually see a game?
6: I'll make a strong statement. I, I think he presents as a sharp coach with, you know, he knows what he wants to do. Um, I, I was really impressed with Marcus Woodson yesterday in terms of how you how you make a room perform better? You get them all on the same page. You get them pulling all in the right direction. Jaden Johnson was up there yesterday talking very well about Walcott. Well, they're basically competing for the same job. And um, so it was good to hear. Um, we know that there was a little bit of, I don't know what was going on in the secondary last year, but it wasn't all super cohesive. And they just kept moving people all year trying to find the right combinations. And I think Marcus Woodson has done a good job of establishing the brotherhood and all that. And, you know, really there's nowhere else to go up for the passing defense right after you rank last in the country.
4: Jalen Braxton is a name that Arkansas fans are starting to hear a little bit more. He's the, he was actually the highest rated recruit that you got in the class of 2023. Tommy, you think he plays this fall, not just in non-conference games, but SEC games too.
6: Based on what we've seen in camp, I I think he does. And there's a chance he's your third cornerback. I mean, with Singletary up with the one, you know, and th- them trusting the fact that um, Max Johnson will f- stick at nickel, um, I think, you know, Ladarius Bishop and Jalen Braxton are among the guys who you're your next up in the cornerback rotation. And I like what I've seen out of him. Um, and it depends on which rankings you look at because, yeah, I did see that Braxton was number one in some of them. I think Luke has was also number 1 in some of them too and we know that we know we're going to see a lot of Luke has this year.
3: Tom Murphy with us here on the uh, McClarty Daniel Hotline as uh, as we move closer here I mean they'll start Western Carolina I guess prep in uh, sometime middle of next week I think is kind of what what Sam said about this. He'll talk uh, with the media after Saturday's scrimmage. Um, how much more do we do we really start thinking about the end of camp and the beginning of game week preparations?
6: Well, we in the media can speculate for any area that we want to, you know, like, uh, when do they start putting that in? But for them, it's, you've got to follow the day to day. I mean, what your schedule says, you know, all right. Are they done with install? All right. What's next? Refining things that you, that you felt like you really liked that your players can do. So they'll be doing a lot of that with the position, depth and refining, you know, their best strengths and who does what on the field the best. Then before they uh, they put in the Western Carolina plan, and of course the way the modern college game is, they've got analysts working on probably the first three games, and I wouldn't be surprised if there was already an LSU game plan, game four that they're they're already you know putting plans together for, and then you just start implementing that on the weekly. Uh, But you don't overlook anybody. I mean, you you put your best plans forth for the Western Carolina game and obviously you hold back certain schemes and all that that you want to reveal as you get deeper into the schedule, but you know, it's all good calculations by this coaching staff on, on the way they uh, schedule out the camp.
4: Tom, we'll leave it there, man. We appreciate your time this morning. We'll talk next uh, Tuesday after another scrimmage.
6: Outstanding. See ya.
4: We've talked a lot about the players' cohesion to this point, but I thought it was interesting. I, I don't have the clip, but Coach Woodson talking about the him being up in the box a lot of times, but Travis Williams was actually up in the box in Saturday's scrimmage and Woodson's down low. So, guys, even the coaches are still trying to figure out kind of where their roles are at on this football team and defense that maybe they're not traditionally used to at this point.
3: Well, I think it's uh, it's evolving, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah,
0: I mean, you look at all that,
3: yeah, you know, and I think that's something you got to practice the communications, mm-hmm. the coaches. You, I don't think you can just take that for granted that, hey. Uh, you know, how they signal, how they get the plays from one coach to the other, all that, both sides of the ball, I think that's something that you can't take for granted.
0: Well, it's something that they do work on, and I can tell you by the time you get to, you know, what they call a mock game, you know, we think about that in terms of players on the field. I can tell you that everything, from how you run out on the field, to how you communicate, the headsets are all set up upstairs, um, you know all that stuff. Communication within the game is a big, big part of it. And you know, gone are the days where you see the, you know, the guy carrying the wires and stuff on the sidelines. It's not like that anymore. And, um, I can tell you, within a stadium, when you've got all these wireless operations going on, um, there's a guy called the frequency director. It's kind of like an air traffic controller. He's yeah. the one that keeps it all straight, and that's all part of a mock game. It's all part of the preparation.
1: It's Christmas in July. Give your family the gift of true comfort this summer with an HVAC system replacement from Pascal. No packages to unwrap, no batteries to buy, and no assembly required. Financing is available for as low as $99 a month and no money down with up to $2,000 in tax credits and savings. Don't wait for December. Get your holiday savings now. Schedule your free estimate today. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics.
4: We were talking with Tom Murphy there about the young man from Frisco, Texas, Jalen Braxton. Here's Coach Marcus Woodson on what he's brought to the table thus far as a freshman.
6: To be a freshman competing with the tools and getting limited reps with the ones, that's a good spot to be in I say no because I still don't know what he's going to be like when the stadium gets packed. So we're still practicing right now. I look forward to seeing how he responds September the second when we put him out there in Little Rock.
4: You're getting, You're always a little more concerned about putting a true freshman in an SEC game. So guys, really for him to play this fall, he's got to show it in these initial three games against Western Carolina against. Uh, Kent State against BYU for Coach Woodson Coach Travis Williams to trust him starting in Baton Rouge Louisiana
0: well and it's not just about him I mean there are lots of other guys back there too Um, he will improve he's good now and he'll get better now how much that's going to lead in terms of playing time in Baton Rouge Louisiana I don't know I I mean uh, um, if he beats out these guys great I mean that means he's doing super but I don't, I don't, um, you know, we'll just have to see how much he's in the rotation when we get to those games.
4: Well, I'm just, the point I'm trying to make is if, he doesn't show up in the first three games. You're going to be less apt, less likely as a coach to trust a true freshman in a much more hostile environment, a much tougher cover in well, whatever sure, situation. Sure. That's well, yeah. sure, sure. Well, all I'm yeah,
0: but, 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 but that goes without saying. Uh, I mean, but Ty, we're sitting here talking about all these other guys in the secondary, and I mean, there's a lot of them. And so, yeah, I think it's great that he's doing as well as he is, and I think he is going to have opportunities to play. But again, let, let's... You know, let's look at the guys that he's got to beat out um, for him to, you know, for him to play as much as you're talking about. I do think he'll get snaps. And um, I do think there's still some question for him and lots of freshmen about how much SEC time do you get? And um, as the season wears on, do you end up, you know,. Do you end up playing four games and get a year back, or do you you know, you know, turn him loose and let him go? If you need him and he's good enough, you turn him loose and let him go. Um, I hope that some of these more experienced guys are good. And if they are, then he may not play as much, not because he's not good, But because these other guys that you brought in, I mean, you bring in transfers to play now. Mm -hmm. You bring in freshmen to develop. Now, sometimes you have one that's good enough to play now. And, man, if you've got him, you do it. But only if he beats out the older guys. And so that's his challenge.
4: Nothing to add, Tommy? You guys covered it there. Arkansas soccer tonight at 6 o'clock. First official game of the season. It's going to be on the SEC Network Plus. We mentioned Coach Colby Hale's squad number one preseason-wise in the SEC. If you're looking for something to watch with Razorbacks on their chests... Ladies will be playing tonight at six.
3: I saw their number eight in the country. So uh, you know, be, be a great time, kinda like we've talked about with softball. But it's their it's their time to go to that next level. I don't watch a lot of soccer, couldn't tell you much about it, but I think we always, you know, kinda latch on to, to a rising star and that, that that seems to be this soccer program as well it's a
4: great stadium we won a state championship on the field it is an awesome place to watch a game so if you don't have plans tonight i'd encourage you to go watch colby hale squad they've got a really good i team. just
0: think it's amazing that it's the season opener on what's today, August what, 17th? 17th, yeah. I just
4: think it's amazing they're having the season opener on August 17th. That's what blows me away about it. It's, I, I don't keep up with the weather like you guys do. Is it, is it supposed to be pretty hot tonight? No, it's going to be okay. Well, I it's mean, just the
0: fact that it's the 17th of August. I, yeah. I mean,
4: school hasn't even started. And you're playing your season opener. Our soccer schedule was spring like baseball. And, again, it's different in college, but it's just how the differences work, I guess. 92 for the high today in Fayetteville. That's horrible. So no, I it could it's be nice hard.
3: right now here. I mean, it's 65 degrees this morning here in Fayetteville.
4: That's not bad. That's going to do it for your Hog Update this morning. Brought to you by our friends, as always, at Mr. Sparky. You
5: don't have to put up with any malarkey call. 888-
4: Ain't Sparky. We got Brent on the line on the McClarty Daniel hotline. Brent, welcome into the show, man. Here on a too stupid Thursday.
2: Great, to, great to talk to you guys, Tommy, Tommy, Ty, Chuck. Hey, Brent. Hey, I want to give a shout out if I can for the uh, hospitality uh, Tuesday night that uh, Coach Jeff Williams. And the Siloam Springs uh, Panthers showed the showed the mouth. And, uh, I was in Siloam watching uh, Southside and uh, Siloam Springs benefit game Tuesday night. Well,
0: I How'd bet they look? knew you were there. I bet they knew you were there, Brent. Hey, they knew I was there. How'd they look?
2: Uh, I'm just going to tell you, Fort Smith Southside has a, has a massive offensive line.
3: Yeah, Brad Kid.
4: Kobe yeah. Branham. Yep. Yeah.
2: Kobe, Bra- Kobe Branham and uh, the tackle on his side, uh Cooper Anderson, they are massive human beings. That's all I can tell you. And next Friday will be a great game between the uh South uh between Portsmouth Southside Mavericks and the and the Portsmouth Northside Grizzlies. And the mouth will be there. And uh, I wanted to also ask you and Ty, give me your numbers off the the air because I want to take you guys to lunch Friday if y'all can work it into your busy, busy schedule.
4: Next Friday. All righty, Brent. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll try and make that happen. That is uh, – I know Houston, I uh, appreciate the call. We have Houston.
3: never turned down a free lunch. Yeah, yeah.
4: Houston, nuts. actually the one that promoted that game. I know people are, are excited about that. I love rivalry, high school rivalries in the state. You think about some of the good ones you have. Central, North Little Rock, Bentonville, Fayetteville, Southside, Northside. Tommy, you probably know a bunch of the smaller schools a little better than I do. I mean, high school rivalries, as much as we love watching Arkansas win the Golden Boot – beating Ole Miss. High school rivalries in this state are, are great.
3: No, I mean, and you, you know, you talk about some of the different classifications. Prairie Grove and Farmington's a great one. I mean, you you, you know, you think in Northwest starts about Bentonville and Bentonville West. That's a new rivalry. The old rivalry is Springdale and Fayetteville. You know, now now it's Harbor Fayetteville. But, you, you know, so you know, there's a lot of good ones. You think about the Battle of the Bone, Chuck, in Crawford County. I mean, that's one good thing about Week Zero. You see a few of those games get
0: played. My all-time favorite rivalry series was the Speed Trap series between Elkins and Greenland. You know, back <laughs> be, back before I-49, Elkins and Greenland were the two biggest speed traps on Earth, and uh, they would play, and they called it the Speed Trap series. Always like that. Well, you still better slow down when you get the west. I contributed to both of those towns yeah. back in my day. I contributed to their city government a Ten. time or two. <laughs>
4: Maybe the best thing that Chad Morris did in his time here was getting K.J. Jefferson to Arkansas. I remember when he announced his commitment and then ultimately signed, people were excited. Now, you didn't get to see him till late in his freshman season. Came in Mississippi State, took him four plays to score.
1: He keeps it himself, taking off and taking on Murphy, and runs all the way up past the 45-yard line. Listen to this crowd come alive. Jefferson's first throw
4: Four plays, touchdown. And Arkansas struggled mightily in that game offensively. Now, you could say, oh, well, they play the second or third team defense. And, again, if that's the argument you want to use, that's fine. But my initial take was, why hasn't this guy played at all this season? At that point, you had Starkle and Hicks. We're going kind of back and forth with that revolving door. Got in in, in 2020 against Missouri. We saw what type of numbers we put up. Tommy, I, I remember sitting next to you in that pregame. And Felipe Franks was going through warm-ups and then didn't come out there, you and me looked at each other and it's like, well, they've lost this game. And what does he do? He has a prolific passing game, finds Burks over and over again, and they come up just short. Fast forward to 2021, yeah. having a great season there, 22-22 is injury-filled. But this guy has top 10 rankings at Arkansas in completions, yards, touchdown passes, on and on. Guys, you would be shocked at how little he has to do to break school records this season and the legacy he could leave again from a record standpoint he's going to be number one in a lot of categories unless he gets injured but i i wonder from the when we're talking like the 60 or 70 year old fan what what they would think about kj jefferson what what kind of season he would have to have for them to list him as a either the number one quarterback number two quarterback number three what what would he have to do this year to kind of put that in people's minds that have seen the likes of guys way older than him. Well,
0: I think if you focus on individual numbers, um, you know, his his legacy is well cemented. I think when you talk about the all-time greats, you talk about guys who have won at a very high level, either won a championship, competed for a championship, played in a game that might decide a championship, um, you know, those are, those are things when you talk about legacies that I think people remember. Um, sometimes you remember a guy hey, he was a great player on a bad team. I don't think that's the case with KJ, but we've had great players on bad teams before. And uh, other teams have too. But I think if you're going to be cemented as one of the all-timers, I mean really one of the all-timers, that coincides with how many games you win. Well,
3: yeah, games and then, you know, you think about, you know, Western Division Championships we've seen over the years, the trips to the uh, – to Atlanta that uh, have, have, have not been frequent enough and you know and that's why the o6 team why didn't have a great quarterback you had the you know maybe the greatest player we ever seen in the program at running back there and I, I know we're not drawing the same comparison but I, I agree Chuck it's it's hard to be the greatest of all time when you didn't end up on a team that that didn't win a, a championship of something well
0: type. now there are certainly exceptions to that rule I, I don't think anyone would argue that Darren McFadden's not our right. greatest player uh, but, you know, he never played in the college football playoff or, you know, the BCS championship game or anything like that. But he certainly was our greatest. I think that, you know, as conferences expand and as it becomes harder to be that one team out of 15 or 20 that wins the ring, I do think that legacies are going to be redefined to a great extent. Um, You know, I remember when Quinn Grovey signed years ago. He told Coach Hatfield, I'm not coming here to win games. I'm coming to win championships. And he did. And, you know, to me, that's one of the things that cements him. But I also know that in the modern era um, of expanded conferences, more games, stronger conferences, um, it's harder to say, I'm going to win a championship. And, you know, I wouldn't trade Darren McFadden for anybody out there. Um, but, you know, there have been great players in the pros who, unfortunately, when we all started counting rings, um, we kind of redefined what a great player was. And um, so KJ's going to have an opportunity, and he's, as you say, he's going to sit on a lot of charts. Part of that's longevity, part of that is the fact that, um, uh, you know, he, as the game has changed, he's been able to do more things than quarterbacks did. Yeah. Even 20 years ago. So the numbers are always going to be a little bit better. But I ultimately think your legacy is defined by how many games you win. And I, Man, I, I just
3: don't, yeah, I think we get caught up in records and school records. Um, like you said, the eras of, of, of the game change. And, uh, you know, rushing yards used to be the, the big deal in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, you know. And, uh, you know, passing became more prolific at points in the 80s uh, with Houston and, and Arkansas gotten some of those shootouts. But now, with the way the spread, has changed the game. Um, you know the the numbers that have been you know all time standards aren't the, aren't the same anymore. Just because the nature of the offense has
0: changed. Well, and, and and it's changed the game from top to bottom. You know, you look at the National Football League now. I mean, look at the shelf life of a running back. Look at what they get paid. Look at how. You know they're uh, they're all upset frankly about how their positions being handled within the salary cap and uh, all the things that that go into you know putting together an NFL roster so it's changed from the top all the way down and you can even go into the high school ranks I mean the triple option used to be what a lot of people viewed as the great equalizer you know this is the passing version of the triple option and that's what teams play now, and it's changed things from the top level all the way to the bottom.
4: Josefa texting, you guys are talking about wins. He feels like for the old heads to consider KJ one of the best, if not the best ever, that it would have to be 11 games to, to do that point. And Chuck, you were talking about longevity. You think about him entering year five at Arkansas. Technically, because of COVID, he has a year six now. When asked about that at SEC media days, he did not rule it out. I don't expect him to be back for another season, but this is entering year three as a starter. He played as a true freshman. He played as a redshirt freshman in twenty twenty. So he's played in every year that he's been here. That's you. That's seldom seen in college football as well. They have a quarterback that's played every single year. That he's been on campus.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he, uh, you know, he got some chances early on some teams that weren't very good, and um, as he's progressed, um, you know, the the team's gotten better, I think, and um, you know, I, I think in terms of his future, I think that's going to be determined by what his prospects are to be paid to play football at the professional level. Um, if he'd been a first or second round draft pick, projected to be that, he probably wouldn't be here now. Um, if we get to the end of this year, and this is where the NIL comes in, and I don't know that KJ is actually an example, but I, I I think there probably are some out there where you kind of weigh where you know what would I make if I'm a fourth or fifth round pick? What would I be guaranteed as opposed to what if I come back to college and um, I've got an NIL deal that's worth more money than I'm guaranteed in the NFL? So, all those things come into play now. Now, what KJ's thinking, I don't know, but Mm -hmm. if he's going to play pro football, he's got to go because, I mean, you know, what is he, 23 now? Yeah. Um, I mean, let's just be frank. They don't draft 24, 25-year-olds very often. And, um, you know, so that window begins to close just because of how old you are. That
4: was one of the pushbacks on Hinton Hooker. Not his talent, not his arm strength, not his locker room presence, but... Just his age, because he had been around the block, been at Virginia Tech, and then. Well, and that just goes
0: to investment. How much are we going to invest mm-hmm. in a player that's this age? If you're going to invest X number of dollars in a quarterback, well, you're probably going to go with a younger guy. I mean, that's just how it works.
3: You hope it's an open and shut case that hey, he's gone at the end of the year. We're really not discussing it. We're just celebrating the greatness of his season because uh, because of his development and the way I him and Danito's work together. To be back. I mean that I that's what you are hoping. Yeah, I I would I would I would not expect him to come back. Cuz if he's had a great year, I'm going to guess the team's won 9 8 or 9 ball games, maybe maybe one more than that. Oh. He's had a great year.
4: And I and you think about again it, let me go over this again. So for him to break some of the school records, he just needs 350 more seven more passing attempts, 158 more completions, a little under 2000 passing yards, 17 touchdown passes. Five rushing touchdown passes for a quarterback and 11 total touchdowns. Guys, unless he gets injured, he's going to break most, if not all, these records this season and find himself at the top of the leaderboard. And you mentioned the longevity aspect, which is a key part of this. Not often are quarterbacks playing in every single year they've been on campus or starting in three of the five years. or three. But I think
0: more than anything, it's just the nature of the game and how it has changed um you know we've we've just in the last five to ten years gotten into an era where you know people are putting up big passing numbers and you look at the history of our program i mean we put up big passing numbers when petrino was here you know that's about it Um, Now, there's a difference between good passing numbers and big passing numbers. You can be a good passing team and not, you know, throw the ball the way some teams do. And Arkansas was always an effective passing team. But, um, you know, fans like seeing the ball in the air. Those are the records that they focus on, and I get all that. Um, But I will submit to you that regardless of what any of his passing records end up being when he's done, the times when Razorback fans have been most excited when he's brought him to their feet, that's when he's been running the football. That's right. That's when he's brought him to their feet. Um, he'll set a lot of these records and hold a lot of them, and I'm glad for him. Um, but he's, uh, um, you know, he's a different kind of guy, and he's a different kind of quarterback. And we'll see more guys like him. You know, we'll see more guys like him as we go because that's the way the game's going now.
4: True. We saw it in the Super Bowl the the next level. Cody Kinney was asked about pro style offense earlier this week, and he just pointed the Eagles and Chiefs, and he's like, "Well, that's those are both pro style offenses, but it's just more, it's more multiple now than it's ever been at this point, and it's, especially at the quarterback position. The days of Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, stature, standstill quarterbacks are." are not necessarily over, but they're going by the wayside pretty quickly. Coaches are looking more for the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Joe Burrows of the world, rather the guys that can just sit in the pocket just because of defenses. Thing. Well,
0: everything's cyclical. Everything cyclical. This is not the first time we've had running quarterbacks. Fran Tarkenton, you can go back. We've had plenty of times and eras in Arizona football where it's shifted to more of a mobile quarterback and then somebody will come along and you'll win a Super Bowl with a guy like Brady or or Manning or somebody well we gotta have one of those guys exactly like that Um, it's a monkey see monkey do business always has been and um, it'll it'll cycle back we'll go through a period where we have less mobile quarterbacks because a bunch of them will get hurt and um, you do have to have a certain amount of mobility there's no doubt about that but you know there's still a place for a guy who can throw the football and may not be the fastest guy out there There's still a place for for that
3: guy. They're looking for winners. You know, and and if if running's going to get you to... To, to be in the winner at the end of the game, they're going to run the ball. And uh, I, I just think K.J., when uh, when you look at it, we haven't seen, seen anything like him and, and what he does since Matt Jones. I mean, he's just, a like you said, a run first. And when Chuck, you summed it up perfectly. When he brings them to their feet, it's generally not when he throws. It's gen- when he takes off and the, the play's broken down and he makes something out of nothing. That's, but that's, that's what K.J.'s great at. That doesn't mean that's the best
0: play. I mean, no. it doesn't mean the best play is, hey, man, uh, you know, you go 10 yards, turn out, and I'll look for you. If you're not there, I'm going to run. I mean, you can't do it like that. You've got to do it within the framework. But, but, but there's no question. With Matt, and with KJ, Quinn, all these guys who can electrify you with their running ability, um, that's when they bring you to your feet because mm-hmm. that's when you do see that, – that's when you see open field football, and that's what's exciting.
4: Now so the guys over at Mach 1 are intelligent, so they probably wouldn't do any of the things I'm about to read with you this morning. It is a too-stupid Thursday here on The Morning Rush. Guys, I don't know why the moronic stories always come out of Florida, but I got five of them here. And I want you to tell me which of y'all think is the dumbest of any of this, the arrest stories you're about to hear. Just by the headlines, you tell me what you think is the Just stupidest one of them all. So a drunk Florida man pistol whipped and shot his friend in both legs during an argument they were having. He's from DeLon Springs, Florida. A Florida man faked a heart attack in a failed attempt to get out of a drug uh, arrest during a traffic stop. A naked Florida man battled deputies with a hose and seaweed in South Dayton, Florida. A Florida man was arrested after a history of harassing customers at McDonald's over and over again. And then also, Florida thieves were expected or suspected of stealing horses and selling them on the black market. Forget this. Human consumption. Now those five headlines, which are all stupid... <laughs> Which is the stupidest one that you've heard of no, those five stories? None of those guys are terribly
0: bright. I'll just put it that yeah. way. I don't know if I can pick one. Yeah, have, have have you ever gone to uh, Google, Google your birthday and then Florida man, and all these different <laughs> stories like you just read will pop up on things that
4: happened on that day? Never done that. That's. I'm going to do that, though, after the show.
3: So- the, the naked guy had a uh, had a uh, had a hose and seaweed and he was attacking police is that what you said
4: yes he was uh, battling really? them with a hose and seaweed hose and seaweed versus a gun doesn't yeah. sound like a fair fight to me no no it does
0: not that
3: does not that doesn't sound very smart so
4: God tried to again fake a heart attack during a failed attempt to, to get well, out well you
3: know well we'd all do anything to get out of getting arrested right
4: yeah the black market one was it?
3: Now was it? Was it Fred Sanford? Was it Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you. Was it one of those? I'm, I'd like to see the acting job on the fake heart attack. That, that, you know, because Fred Sanford's the gold standard, right?
4: That is an all time, uh, an all time gift. That is out the airwaves. I, I, the, the, the human consumption stuff. I've never. I've had some weird food over my life. I've never had the appetite to eat a horse. I've never gone to a restaurant and said, hmm, I wonder if they have horse on the menu. Well,
0: I doubt that was going to be sold
3: in the U.S. Yeah. That, uh... I, you may have eaten and not known it so
4: that's a good point may, you never know in certain fast food locations you never know what you're actually consuming at this point maybe there was some horse meat in the different things that I was eating that I didn't know about
1: this podcast has been presented by Bet online This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent